All right, how's everyone doing? We can go ahead and, if anyone else has come in and come in, we can go ahead and Lord, thank you. My name is Mark Cleary. I serve on staff at the ARC, helping oversee all of our uh, events. So if you like the conference, I'll take any kind of admiration you give. If you don't like the conference, I'll tell you to blame. <laughs> but uh, I also help oversee our church planning process at ARC, as well as a lot of our post-launch plans as well. And at ARC, we exist to help launch, connect, and equip life-giving churches all over the world. And this is an honor uh, to be able to be in front of you. This session is, uh, hey, I've launched my church, and now what in the world do I do? Because we found out that helping launch almost... I guess there'll be over 700 churches we will have launched uh, here just in a couple weeks. Uh, we figured out one thing, and that's after week one comes week two. <laughs> and then week three, week four, and a whole lot of stuff between, uh, between that takes place as well. So this session is designed for you to kind of hear uh, from a couple of our different church planners on what you should be focusing on from that second week to that sixth month, from that sixth month to that one-year anniversary mark, from that one-year anniversary mark kind of moving forward uh, from there as well. In order to teach you those, I mentioned we have a couple of our church planners here. Very, very excited. I'm going to ask each of them to come up as I introduce them. Danny Schultz, right here to my right. Launched Sun City Church in Spokane, Washington area, and doing a phenomenal job there. Aaron Stern, Mill City Church in Fort Collins area there in Colorado as well. And then Carrie Robinson from the Moving Church in Orange County. Orange County. Gary had a tough assignment to fulfill from God. <laughs> Orange County. Um, so uh, very, very thankful that each of you are here with us. You're going to hear from each of them kind of different segments. Up first, kind of here to discuss with us that early stage transition from your launch team to your leadership team for kind of week two to six months is Carrie Robinson. Carrie, take it away, my friend. Grab this you mean this mic? Awesome. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Well, hey guys, how are you? This is the largest attended app session in the history of our conferences, and thank you for choosing the back row. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'll try to represent. go slowly for my friends who are doing translation back there, yeah. if that helps out. But uh, my name is Kerry, and I, I planted with ARC in Orange County. Uh, five years ago this Sunday, we celebrate our five-year anniversary. Come on. Come on. That's, I, I'd appreciate it. Uh, after, after two weeks, we didn't think we would still be here yeah. today so we are and uh, my wife and I parachuted into Orange County so we moved there hey man and my friend and uh, we moved there didn't know anybody at all and I do not recommend that ever <laughs> ever 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 but uh, it's been a cool journey so uh, they've told they told me for this session uh, I actually have 65 minutes to share and then you guys get five minutes each yeah. so yeah. we'll try to keep this quick uh, but just real quick three quick thoughts if you've launched now what I've got some friends here that are launching in Flagstaff this Sunday so that's exciting so they are facing week two very quickly yeah yeah uh, so it's exciting to be in the journey with you uh, one thing I couldn't stress enough this isn't one of the three points but no matter how you launch when you launch or where you launch you need a tribe you can't do this without a tribe and I would say there's no greater tribe for planting churches than the ark so that's my my plug for uh, ark churches but real quickly a couple thoughts as you move into week two uh, first things first and if you're taking notes write this down if you're not obviously you don't love Jesus number one manage expectations yeah manage expectations uh, uh, church plants have an, a, an amazing ability to attract the disgruntled frustrated church folk 
who just couldn't plug in at the church down the street. And so now they show up at your church expecting to do church the way that they love church. Can I get an amen from some people? There is one thing that they love at the church they used to go to. Or the youth ministry that they grew up in when they got saved in 1976. And they think that should be applied to the church that you're in now. Or you have a team that you've been casting a vision to, yet they weren't really sure what this was going to look like. And so now they have expectations that undoubtedly will be unmet. And so part of your job as a leader to help is to help manage those expectations. And so uh, using language like, hey, we're an infant. And we haven't learned to walk or even crawl yet. We're barely learning how to hold our head up. So let's just slow this process down. It's going to be good. Another word picture we like to use is blueprints. Everybody in this room, from the front to the back, side to side, no one raised their hands yet? No? Okay. Oldest to youngest, we all have a blueprint for how we expect church to work. So as a church planner, I want to encourage you to talk to your team with language like this. Hey, why don't you let me hold on to your blueprint for church for the next three to six months and just take this journey with me as I unpack what the blueprint for our church is. Does that make sense? That helps manage expectations. What you're not telling them is exactly how it's going to look because the truth is you don't necessarily know how it's going to look in six months, but you want to help manage expectations. And let me just go ahead and encourage you. Some of those people, you don't want want them to be with you in six months, and that's okay. So language like that helps manage expectations. Number two, stick to the mission and culture. Stick to the mission and culture. A lot of times we launch and we get so tempted to just burst into brand new initiatives or to kickstart a new ministry or maybe there's a passion that you have that was part of the original dream that God drew you to plant a church in the first place. But that dream that might be very real and very God-ordained doesn't necessarily mean that in the first six months of our church we need to start this initiative. In fact, you can prematurely launch something that God's given you, and you'll kill it quicker than you thought possible. So just stick to the mission. Why did God call you to the city that you're in? Well, I can answer that question for you. It's biblical. To reach the saved, the lost, and disciple the saved. No matter how sexy you make it sound, no matter how you write your mission statement, no matter what the name of your church is, we want to reach the lost and disciple the saved. So just remember that in the first six months, we're here to reach the lost And disciple the same. That's what we're here to do. There will be another time to launch into some new initiatives. And let me just kind of give you a quick idea, uh, thought process, really. Um, You don't want to launch a new ministry or initiative without leadership for that in the first place. And in the first six months of your church, you don't know if you can trust the leadership that's around you yet. So just be patient. Slow your roll. It's okay. There will be a time for that. It may not be time to launch a youth ministry. You might only have three teenagers anyways. So just have them over to your house for a hamburger. That's fine. Don't launch into an initiative that you have to kill and then relaunch it again in two years. Does that make sense? Everyone's story is different. Good just stick to the mission in the beginning. Does that make sense? Is this so good? Are you all loving this so far? I'm almost done. I need you up, my friend. And the last thing for you is focus on making Sundays better. I don't care where you launched or how you launched. In the first six months, portions of your Sunday morning services are going to be horrible. (laughs) Literally, they're just—they're not going to be what you want them to be. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are, how you launch. So just keep working on making Sundays better, better preaching, better worship. 
better children's ministry, better hospitalities, which means the best way to do that is prioritize your time between Sundays with working with those teams. So spend more time connecting with your children's ministry. And if you're under the size of 250 to 300 people on week two, which 95% of churches, even those that launch with ARC, will be, if you're under those numbers, your children's workers aren't going to be in your Sunday morning service for probably three to six months. So every Sunday, they're with those kids. And then they go home to their own kids and then to a job and then come back on church to church on Sunday to take care of those kids. So do something special, unique for those teams. Does that make sense? Your worship team, I don't care who they are, they're not going to be as awesome as you want them to be in the first six months. So you get to help train what transitions look like between songs, between worship sets. You should go to some worship practice and be their hands-on, and you should help. In fact, in the first year of our church, our worship leader was amazing. Unless we asked him to coach the congregation. He could sing with the voice of an angel and play guitar better than John Mayer. But if we said, hey, tell the church, let's sing this song together. He would go. (laughs) So it was as awkward and embarrassing as you could possibly imagine. And you're sitting in the crowd. Anyone ever had the cringe factor in church? It's really bad when it's your own church, my friends. So we just had to help coach him through that process. Does that make sense? Thankfully, he got better by that. I mean, he's no longer at our church, but that's not important. <laughs> just remember, you got to help that. And let me just tell you, some of you are probably gifted with communication, and that's great. I, I would imagine it's probably one of the things that drew you to the same in the first place. But in the beginning, it's hard to be able to focus on a message that's really good. So rip off people. <laughs> I mean, literally, listen to their so podcasts, true. and pre- they'll probably give you their notes. You can re-preach it. Chris Hodges, Craig Rochelle, Stephen Furtick literally do all of their sermons. In the fir- Y'all are all freaking out right now. What about the Holy Spirit? It's okay. The Holy Spirit will still work through you. Yep. But you listen, don't spend your time to try to create the most powerful message that humanity has ever heard. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to be able to sleep because you don't have the finances to pay for your own rent, let alone the school that you're setting up and tearing down. And you're on track with me. But that's not the truth. You guys are going to be awesome. I'm just saying, it's all right. Preach some other people's message. There will be a time and a day when you can fashion and form the greatest sermon in the history of humanity. And then send it to us. We'll take it. And I rip off everybody I possibly can. Nobody in your church has ever heard of Chris, of Chris Hodges or Craig Rochelle. They just haven't. I'm just telling you, they haven't. So it's okay. So you just, like, you re-preach four cups. Call it, you know, four solo cups if you want to. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. You can, you just, I'm just telling you, it, it makes Sundays better. And one of the best ways to do that is if you as a senior leader are refreshed going into it. Yep. And if your support staff, maybe you're not a senior leader here, then you, whatever area it is that you oversee, figure out a way, learn from the people who are doing it really well, either in your city or in the network of ARC, and make Sundays better. Does that make sense? Are those not the greatest three points you've ever heard in your life? Thank you so much. I ripped those off from somebody else. So see, there you go. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I appreciate that, Gary. Thank you very much. Aaron Stern's up next. Aaron's going to kind of talk to us about kind of that six-month to a year period, starting to implement a growth track, small groups, those kind of uh, things that are really impactful. So, Aaron? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I agree with everything that was just said. And it is true. I remember the first. Am I on here? 
check that out. mine too. There we go. I remember the first, uh, we're five and a half years old, and uh, we just uh, actually launched our first campus last weekend. That's and, awesome. Uh, Come on, man. Which is crazy because I remember being in the first few weeks and months and even years, and that was, I, that felt like going to Mars. Yeah. And so I, I want to say that as a way of hopefully being an encouragement when you first start and you feel like Sunday rolls around every three days, and yeah. because everything's just moving so fast. Um, that that you there will be a day when you will you will have that space again. You will write more of your messages. You will be able to wow think of potentially launching a campus or whatever. And um, and so so I, I agree. And I just want to bounce off a couple of things um, and reiterate some things. Uh, I remember the first Sunday where I thought, this is it. We did it. This was my favorite Sunday. This is what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Got my team together. I was like, this worked. The transition was great. Songs yeah. were great. Let's do that again. And the next week we didn't. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just keep working and you keep working and you keep going. But if Sunday doesn't work, everything else doesn't work. Yeah. So keep working on Sunday, work on it for the first year and keep working on it for every year after that. It's great. Now there are some other things that you need to work on as well. And that's kind of what I want to take some time to talk about. Um, I want to talk a little bit. First of all, I want to kind of give some big ideas uh, first, and then I'll talk about some of the specifics of that. Systems, I think, are so important. In other words, when somebody comes to your church, they get there, and you think through the system of how are they getting welcomed, how are they finding a seat, how do they check their kids in, all that kind of thing. Okay, so what happens if they decide to join your church, and this is our church home, what are we going to do with them, and how do they get there? So we would say, well, I want them to be discipled. I want to develop and equip those who have who've come to know Jesus, who are saying yes to Jesus, who are plugging into our church. So what's the system? Do they just like wander around till they find a group? <laughs> Do they just like call a number to like join a team to serve? Like how does it work? And can you and can somebody else say it? In other words, how, if somebody comes to a volunteer in your church and says, "How do I join the volunteer team?" They should be able to answer that, and the only way you're going to be able, they're going to be able to answer that is if there is a clear system. So, so make sure that you give as much clarity to things That's and great. think through that as possible. And when you think about a system, I try to answer these five questions. Now, I've heard Andy Stanley um, ask three questions. His, I think Andy's only got three, so I added two more. So, there you, go. That's good. you know, I, I rip off and then I make better. That's so, good. so uh, he asks these things: Is it is it obvious? So is it obvious on how you join a team or start to serve or whatever? Is it is it easy? Is it, in other words, we want people to join our church, so we want them to come to our growth track or we want them to come to our visitor reception or whatever you're doing. Is it easy or is it like Tuesday at three o'clock in the afternoon? Like that's not easy. Uh, and is it so? Is it easy? Is it obvious? And is it strategic? Those are the three questions that I've heard him ask. That if you're ever doing anything, you should be. You need to be able to say yes to all three of those. If you can't say yes to all three of those, then you need to go back and fix one of those, or two of those, or three of those, and until you can say yes. And if you can't say yes, don't do it. I've added to that um, that they need to be scalable. In other That's words, it, it can it can 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 it, can growth happen with this system? Yeah. Or will it only work with fifty people? But when you get to hundred, you got to dish it and start a brand new system. So can, is, it, is it scalable? And then the other question is, is it transferable? In other words, would this be able to be transferred into a campus if we duplicate this great. into another gathering or into, from two services to three, from one campus to two, from two campuses to four, whatever? 
Um, so those are the five questions that we're asking when we develop a system. Um, and then two things. One, be okay with starting small. Yeah. And I don't know what your church background is, but I came from a really large megachurch. 14,000 people on a weekend. So, you know, they say, hey, we're going to have a thing at the park and a thousand people show up. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to like teach people about this and spiritual warfare and four people show up, you yeah, know, and I'm yeah. like, park, thousand. Spiritual warfare, four. What's the problem? Yeah, right? yeah. But but I think I had to learn how to like be like content with starting small. That's great. And then be consistent. It's a temptation to think, oh, it started small. This is not going to work. And ditch it in a month yeah. or ditch it in a week. I must have done something wrong. We've got to retool it because, because there was only five people or four people or ten people instead of 500 people or 100 people or whatever your expectation is that somehow you didn't launch it right. And I actually think let it be small and then build off of it and be consistent. So one of those things is, is, your, is the process to get people to join and participate in your church. Everybody, I don't know any pastor that doesn't want volunteers. Yeah. I don't know one pastor that's like, nah, we don't need any volunteers. Like, yeah. We got plenty. We have more money than we, got more money than we know what to do with. We have, yeah. Yeah. We have plenty of staff. <laughs> not one yeah. person, not one pastor I know has that problem. Yep. So we need, we need volunteers. And I honestly think there's a couple of, if I can just back up and get one big, huge, like theological idea, biblical idea. It is our job as pastors. This is from day one to not do all the ministry. Yeah. We have to believe that it is our job to equip our people for ministry. That's, That's why great. we're in ministry. That's great. So, so, so I just, when I look at people in my congregation, new people, I just think, oh, I, I can't wait to see what's in your heart. I can't wait to see what God's got in you. What gift is in you? Yeah. So, so our process um, is called, we call it Mill City Connect. Mill City Church is the name of our church. So Connect is a four-week process. Growth Track is what a lot of people call it. Next Steps is what a lot of people call it. I mean, people call it all sorts of things. Now, I grew up in a church where it was a guest, go meet the pastor on a Sunday afternoon. Right after church, go shake his hand, shake the pastoral staff's team's hand, eat a donut, and that was it. And that's nice, but it really doesn't get you anywhere. So I love the Growth Track or Mill City Connect. It is, it is a bigger commitment, if you will, but the, the fruit of it, the outcome of it is like worth its weight in gold. Mm. So we started this, our church started February 26, 2012. We started Mill City Connect on the first weekend of April. So we took one month for our church to start, and then we started our growth, our growth track, Mill City Connect, and we have been doing it every single month ever since. I think we've missed two days. It's not like Easter. And when we do that, we like combine them the next week or something like that. But Super Bowl, Mother's Day, July 4th, Labor Day, my birthday, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're doing it. Yep. Every single yep. week. Good. And this last week, two weeks ago, it's 60 people at That's step awesome. one, which anybody wants 60 volunteers yeah. that are coming to join your church? Yeah. Last week, 53 people. Now, in the first few weeks, in the first few months of our church, one guy. Yeah. So I went in, teach the class. I taught all four classes. I'll tell you what those four classes are here in just a second. And in those four classes, and I, he was step four. I went to talk, went in expecting a group of 10 or whatever, 15 at that time. He's the only one. So I, we got a lunch, sat down with a cup of coffee, and we sat down, we talked. 
that guy was one of our most faithful volunteers. And you know what? I'm like, oh, I wish I had a room like this full of people. But you know what I think that guy loved? He's like, ha, I got the bonus for the day. I got to sit down with the senior pastor. And we, he trained me for an hour on what, what, how to join the team. That's great. So, so be consistent. Don't be disappointed with small beginnings. And, and, and we have seen that as you do that. Now you have to believe in it. You cannot think, well, we'll do it if it feels good. Or we'll kind of come back around to it. Just stay consistent. Yep. Stay yep. consistent. Stay consistent. And just keep improving. Just like Sundays. You make it better, tweak it, adjust it, keep working on it. Maybe your issue is advertising in terms of like announcements and letting people know about it. Maybe it's the actual content of the class. Maybe it's the teachers. I don't know. But help people get involved in your church. Um, I'm, I'm supposed to talk about a few other things, but I'm out of time. So I'm going to have to just say what I'm just going to talk about. And if you have questions about it, you can talk about it later. One is small groups. Um, you got people have to connect. If you have people coming to your church but not staying at your church, I'll give you 99% uh, for sure chance that it's because people are not connected with each other. Um, why do people stay at bad churches? Oh, my friend goes there. They stay for a long time because they have a relationship. People will stay at your church because they have a relationship. So get them into a relationship with each other. All right? Um, and then I was going to talk about the team that you built with the, with the people that join and find their gifting by going through your process. So, my 10 minutes is up. You did so there good. You go. It was awesome. It was awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron brought a good one. We're going to do Q&A here after Danny is over. So, if you have any questions along the way, go ahead and jot those down there so you don't know what And then we'll have some uh, Q&A top and we'll take all your uh, questions and give you some good answers for sure. So, Danny's going to come and take it from a year on, my friends. Go for it. Yeah, so my name is Danny. Um, my wife and I launched Sun City Church in Spokane, Washington, two and a half years ago. So we're just kind of just getting to the other side of that one to two year mark. And we sat down together and just brainstormed some points. And again, I'll just kind of spout these out. And then you can ask questions if there's anyone that you want to dig down on um, after we get done. But I would say when you're hitting that one to two year zone and you're looking for expansion and growth and, you know, we've got... Sundays are working good and then some of the systems are in place with growth track and groups and the team. Now, how do we expand on? And I would just say this, go back and redo Sundays really good and then redo groups and teams. Um, If Sundays are humming, then maniacal focus on groups and teams. Groups and teams, groups and teams, groups and teams. What am I working on for the entire year? Groups and teams, groups and teams. Like that's the thing. Don't get so excited about all the initiatives to the ends of the earth and all the other things that you're going to do in the long run. Like focus on great groups and great teams because they will be the engine that takes your church into the future. Not only are they the pastoral engine of your church that takes care of people when they come in and not only are they the team building engine that helps people get connected so you can do what the vision that you have to do but they're actually the marketing engine of your church your groups and your teams are the thing that reaches that next level of people and brings them in they're the financial engine of your church the greatest givers of your church they come out of the people that are in your groups and teams so really the answer for everything that you need to do going forward groups and teams so just keep all of your focus on that um You do need to define a reproducible, scalable church structure. 
And what happens as your church starts to grow is every lead pastor ends up with way too many direct reports. You know, you're trying to talk to, you know, at first six people and then eight people and 12 and 16 and 24. And all of a sudden you go like, ah, I have way too many meetings. We can't make this happen. So you have to build a structure for your church that allows you to lead your church through other leaders. So you lead leaders that lead leaders that lead leaders and you build it that way. I love what Aaron said. You're not to do the work of the ministry. You're to equip those who do the work of the ministry. And ultimately, if you're a a senior pastor, a lead executive level minister, you're to lead those that lead those that lead those to do the work of the ministry. So define what's that structure going to look like for me so I can build it. Um, I I would say this too. Always be evaluating what can I stop doing as a lead pastor. So like for me, every Thursday morning, I have an hour blocked out in my schedule where I sit down and I don't take any meetings and it's like a meeting with myself to ask myself, what can I stop doing this week? What can I give away to somebody else? And then I spend the rest of Thursday trying to figure out how I can do it. So if last week I did premarital counseling with a couple, then I realized I could probably raise up somebody else to do premarital counseling. I'll check that off the box. I need to raise up a leader for this and then I'll work on setting up the meeting with them, giving them the curriculum, starting to line them up for the next meeting so I can mentor them in that. But work really hard at your schedule and ask yourself the question, what can I stop doing? What can I give away to other people? That's the way for you to expand and grow into the future. Um, And then like leadership pipeline will be a really big deal. Um, If you've got growth track or next steps, whatever you call it, going well, where people that are new visitors to your church, they're getting connected into the team and into the groups, then you'll need to develop a mechanism that raises them not only from team members that serve, but team leaders that lead. And so beginning to find that culture for your church, what does that look like? Is there an online component? Is it a class? Do I do a small group? Um, Where does that fit? That's going to be a really important structure for you. Um, You start to look at some of those hiring things and some of you maybe have raised budgets where you can hire off the bat. Uh, For me, I was a a part-time pastor. We went on staff full-time about six months into the launch of our church. And then um, we were able to hire a part-time administrator. And right now we're just getting ready to hire um, our kids pastor and then figure out how to pay our worship pastor. So those would be some of the the early hires that I would consider as you're working toward it. Um, Kids ministry and worship ministry, as Carrie so eloquently put it, that's got to be rocking. Um, Don't make, you know, don't miss out on those two things. And then the reason to hire an administrator is if they can multiply what you do as a lead pastor, then that's a very well-spent staffing dollar. Um, I would also say on hiring, make sure that you only hire people that can build teams. So if someone's a great doer, that doesn't necessarily make them a great team builder. And so you don't want to hire on someone that limits out their ministry and their potential with only what they can do during their 20 or 40 or 60 hours that they work on staff for you. You've got to develop people and raise people and staff people that can multiply their own efforts just the same way that you do. They have to multiply their efforts by building teams, not just doing the work of the ministry themselves. Um. Another thing I would say is be very flexible. Like blessed are the flexible during church planting years. It's good. Um, your location's going to change. Yep. So like if you've already launched, 
And I remember, man, thinking, like, we launched in the sweetest event center, and I just, this is event, this is gold. Like, we have 400 seats, and it's beautiful, and two million, you know, whatever dollars put into this auditorium, and, like, it was just so amazing, and then, you know, eight months in, the whole contract falls apart, management shift, we can't have the auditorium anymore, have to find a new place. Yeah. And then we moved to a high school, and the high school was awesome, beautiful high school auditorium, but everything has a ticking clock in our part of the country, so we can't be there for very long. And uh, every time we moved locations, um, we just made sure that it was a huge priority. Your location matters so, so much. And so if you compromised on the quality of your location, launching the church, I would put a ton of time into making sure that you try to find a better location, be in a more strategic spot. Make sure that's a home run because in the early years, year year zero to year one, year one to year two, the main question that people are asking when they show up to your church is a credibility question. Are these guys going to be here six months from now? They're a church plant. Look at all these mobile signs they have. And yeah, that's a cute graphic, but this thing goes up and goes back down. Like, are they going to exist a year from now? Because I want a place where I can thrive. I want a place that takes care of my family. I've heard of the stories of church plants and mobile churches and what happens to people. So is this a pastor that I can trust and I can follow? And I don't know if anything speaks more to that than the venue that you meet at. Like it just affects people's mindset. So be flexible, pray a lot, and always be on a search for a venue. You never know when the one that you're going to be in is going to fall apart. Always be looking for option A, option B, option C, and then never stop that search. Raise up a dream teamer that that's their whole job. Find a real estate agent on your team. Your job is to always find us the next two or three venues that we might need to go in. And then they might turn into campuses someday, right? God willing. Um, We launched freedom groups one year into our church. Um, Best small group that we ever launched. If you haven't heard of freedom groups, this is a curriculum that came out of Church of the Highlands. And uh, they give away the curriculum on the Grow site, uh, Grow Resources. Yeah, and uh, you can download it for free. The freedom groups have become, for us, like I tell every single person, you know, if they come and ask me, what small groups should I be a part of? Freedom groups. Um, It helps them just overcome the things of their past, church hurt, addictions, burnout. Um, Anybody that has a moral issue in our church, freedom groups. Anyone that doesn't tithe, freedom groups. Like, it's become this solution place for us that deals with all of this pastoral need. And that's such a big deal in year one to year two because you you want all of these unchurched people on launch Sunday and in the first year, all these new people are coming to church and they're like, yeah, and the church is growing and we're reaching the loss and it's not just transfer growth. And then about a year in, all of the crap just yeah. comes to the surface <laughs> and you're like drowning in pastoral overload. And you have to have a place to help people get free. And for us, we're on our third semester of it now, and the people that are coming out of these groups, they're giving, and they're serving, and they're happy, and they're free, and their marriages are better, and their teenagers are loving God. Like, everything's going well, and so I just can't say strongly enough, implement freedom groups. Great. Do it. Um, Look at your your bump to your next service. Um, If you've launched with one services, you know, in that year to two year range, you know, want to be growing to that two services. I would say get to two services as quickly as you can, as long as you do it strong. The same way the ark would teach you to launch with strength, you want to move into that two services launch with that kind of strength. 
So if you rush to two services, but you don't have, uh, like all those people that are taking care of the kids every Sunday when you have one service, um, if you make them take care of the kids both services, now they've moved from just like putting up with it and I'm going to have a good attitude and love you, Pastor Gary. Uh, Now there's like vinegar in their spirit and it's going to spread all over the church if you try to, you know, you've got to raise up that children's ministry force. Worship team needs to be ready, first impressions. Um, and then last thought, and we'll do Q&A, um, or anything else Mark wants to do, right. um, is, Mark will tell you this, and you guys maybe have already discovered this, but um, 85% of the people that launch the church with you won't be with you by year one. That's true. And some pastors get all nervous about that or you know should I even like invest in relationships with those people if they're all going to leave me and I would just say for us we just carried the spirit of every time they held a door open for somebody every time they gave any dollar amount any time that they invited anyone to come to church that was a blessing for us and so as people transition to other churches and do other things and move to different cities, you just honor and bless people and thank them for the investment that they brought into your church. But the people that launched it with you probably won't be the people that grow it with you. And you just need to have a great attitude, good heart for that, and thank them for all of the investment that they brought into the church. So, yeah. Those would be my thoughts. That's awesome. Awesome. Hey, thank you all. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, David. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, we'd love to do some Q&A right now. We've got a few more minutes left before we uh, head out for an afternoon break. i got some questions down on this piece of paper, but I'd rather hear from you all. So if that question may be, I will go over to you. Where are you from and where are you pastoring? Uh, What's your name? Rogelio Martinez, pastoring Fullerton. Fullerton, come on, man. Represent. Right there. Represent. I have a question uh, for the uh, book track. Yeah. Is there a reason why are you the one teaching every class? Because I'm going to, towards that, but I was thinking of giving the first class myself. Yeah. And then asking my leaders to do the second or the fourth class. Yeah, great question. I don't teach all four anymore, but in the beginning I did. Um, partially because I didn't know who else to give them to initially. And so as I taught them, probably within three to four months, I got rid of, I transferred them over to someone else. Um, and I think the same thing applies. You know, don't, I, don't just try to give them away. Give them away to somebody who's gifted to be able to actually teach those classes. Um, specifically, the step where, uh, you know, you discover your gift. Uh, and go through the gifts test if you do that. Um, I had a guy that I met in our church. He's a trustee for us now, but it was early on in our church and found out that he's kind of a leadership consultant and actually helps businesses like discover their you know gifts basically and how to how to work best together. And I said, hey, would you want to come teach this class with me? So we co-taught it one one week, and he was better than I was. Sure. And the next, I was thinking, I'm done with this class. This guy, this is his class. (laughs) So the next week I asked him, I said, hey, you want to teach this all the time? And he starts crying. Wow. Because he said, he said, I've never, the other churches that I've ever been at, I only ever got asked to take care of kids and kids ministry. And he's like, I was was willing to do it, and he was willing to do it because he was a good guy. But he didn't love it. It wasn't his gift. And he said, I always felt like I was a mule for somebody else's vision. Wow. He said, but this is the first time that I feel like somebody has come and breathed life onto me. He said, to me as a stallion, go run. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's what you want. 
in every person that you incorporate into your church. And some people are like that with kids ministry. <laughs> so, so, so wait till you find the right people. But I now only teach the first one, and then and then the others get taught by other people in the church. It's good. And Eric, can you explain why I'm the first one? Yeah, I do the first one um, because it is the introduction to our church. It's the story of our church. It's the vision of our church. I think other people can teach it, and we have had other people teach it when necessary. But I think there's something about first-generation DNA. Yep. And so, so the DNA and the culture is what you're teaching and talking about. And that is not something you teach. It's something that, you, that people catch. So, so you, I, we're now with two campuses. Um, I'm going to record a video of that so that, again, not because I don't want somebody else to teach it. They can get up and teach the material. But there's something about that coming out of the heart of the founder that I think is important. Yeah, so, agreed. Yeah. So good. Hey, just to clarify, uh, the website for Grow is uh, growleader.com. You go there, you fill out a um, little account thing, little profile, and it's free, and then it opens up to the resources. But then all day tomorrow, uh, it's going to be like a Grow Regional Monday, so you get to hear a lot of, a lot of that there, uh, with the Grow Network and the teachers. Um, that's well. Hey, can I say one thing? If you'd like a free resource, get your pens out and write this down. If you do the DISC test, the spiritual giftings test, write down this email, girly, G-I-R-L-Y, at the, T-H-E, O-C, movement.com. We have a DISC and spiritual giftings test that's done on your phone. And it produces the results in 15 minutes and gives a recommendation of where they should jump in on teams. And it's 100% free. It's not super sexy, but it'll work. And uh, if you like that, it's yours. So just email her. She is the director of operations at our church. She has no clues is coming. So you should also give her email address to like some spam sites. That'd be awesome too. So, yeah. yeah, it's girly. G I R L Y at the O C movement. T H E O C. M O V E M E N T dot com. And that's literally it's free. The only thing you have to do is work with one guy to get your logo to him. He'll set it up for you. It'll be embedded in your website. And then literally people can get their disc and spiritual giftings test in 15 minutes. And it's legit. It's this, by the way, ARC uses it. So it's all verified and theologically sound. Hey, Carrie, is your email address manly? Mine. <laughs> it actually is, sir. <laughs> Found me out. My name's Adam uh, from Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, we launched this Sunday. Come on. Come on, man. So, a uh, question for you guys. Uh, we've heard many different ways, but uh, just from all three of you guys, maybe how you did it, maybe how you changed it, but how did you, we've been to the churches seeing, how did you guys start kind of taking offering and tithe offering? We've seen guys that say, hey, don't do it at all at the beginning and kind of leave the thing in the back and just mention it very, very in. Some of those guys, hey, we went six months and our offerings were terrible, so we kind of changed that and we kind of talked about it you know, at the end, but a little different when we passed the buckets now. But how did you guys do kind of tie the offering session when you first started? Can we go first? Go ahead. I'll go quick and then you can jump on. I would say you, you should be taking ties and offerings with your launch team right now. Um, you know, if, if we don't teach it, we rob our people of like the fundamental blessing that God wants to, to give our people. So I absolutely put it into your services. I would not encourage you to do a 15-minute sermon around it. Um, I would encourage you to do it at the end of the service at the same time. 
you're passing containers and letting people drop in cards uh, that you can get information. First time visitors aren't going to fill out a card in the first five minutes, 15 minutes of the service. They want to know if they can trust you. But I won't go any further. But I would say absolutely start day one and just coach about it unashamedly. Um, you don't want something from you. You want something for you. Just like we want to teach you about. Do not commit adultery. Don't murder. We also want to talk about the blessings of God that are associated with giving. So I would encourage that. I'd say same thing. Um, the the biggest offense that unchurched people have coming into the church is the church just wants my money, right? So they all walk in with that. And the longer you have them to give them a good experience, the more that you're disarming that preconceived offense. So for us, putting the offering at the end gives us all of the time to like... They get to experience our worship, which they enjoy, and then they get to experience a pastor who's relevant and tells some jokes, and they have a good time, and they're smiling. And so by the time we're getting into that part that has the potential to offend them, um, we've had them a long time, and they've had a really good experience. And so, you know, for us, there hasn't been a lot of issues around that. So you want to add anything? I would only say maybe as a big idea, this applies to tithes and offerings as well as anything else. I think start with the end in mind. So... I remember our, our first Sunday, we started with electronic check, kid check-in. Not because we needed it on that first Sunday. We could have been tape and a marker. would have been just fine for the 30 staff kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. But we did that not because of the first Sunday, but because of where we were going. That's good. And I think the same thing is true for uh, tithes and offerings. Where do I want to go? I want people to have, give in every gathering. We want that to be a part of it. So we're going to start there. We're going to push past the, past the awkwardness. We're going to make that a part of our of our service. We do that, and you mentioned it. The, your, the people's connection card is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. So don't make them go somewhere to drop it off. And don't, so therefore, don't do offering. I grew up in a church where we did offering in the middle of the worship service yeah. before the sermon. Yeah, you did. It was a big change for me that I learned through ARC do the offering at the end, not because of the offering. Like, yes, because of the offering, but because of the connection card. Yeah. Remember, yeah. easiest, easy, obvious, and strategic. It is easier for them to fill it out, drop it into the bucket as it passes at the end of the gathering, than for them to have to go in and get a visitor, get a mug in exchange for their card, or meet somebody in exchange for their card, or go find the basket to go drop it in. Yeah, I mean, it's just easier. Yep. So, so drop it in end of the gathering, and what you said about like don't do a, an offering sermonette. Yeah. Like just give the offering and keep on going. You know. So. So I haven't found it to be awkward at all, but I'm really like, want to give people an opportunity. People give online today. 60% of our people give online. So so uh, people give. It's just how you want them to give or how they do give is one thing. But those connection cards, that's what I want. That's what I'm like yep. most of Yeah, most just to add from what we've, what we've experienced too over the, over the last several years is what Aaron was saying. One, it is 2017. So give them, provide them the opportunity to give in a variety of ways because people give in a variety of ways now whether they're shopping or getting their time and offering, and then compel them throughout, let the entire experience from the time they pull on service to where they see a video of you already reaching people for Christ, um, compel them to give to where that is your 15-minute message is really your 45-minute message to it, 15-minute minutes leading up to it, to where that moment may only be two, three minutes at the end, but they see all that God is doing through your church already, whether you're just launching, because God is already doing things, you know, or you're an established church and God is, you know, you, you can show those things as well. It's good. To to give. So some more questions. I saw some names. 
Hey, my name is Sean. I'm just planting a church in Oahu. Why? Come on. Somebody's got to yes. do it. Yes. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear some of your guys' ways you just show serve you appreciation. Some folks that are serving on Sundays. Like, what are some little things you do, especially our context? Our, our island has many people on it um, during the week. You know, when we take a 15-minute drive on a Sunday morning, it takes an hour. So meeting people face-to-face usually isn't an option other than a Sunday morning. So how can we show appreciation? It's a great love? question. Yeah. What are some little things you guys do? That's a great question. Uh, so we utilize the time that they're there, which is Sunday. Um, we have our, our captains of teams, which is our kind of our hierarchy of leadership, if you will, within our volunteer teams, which we ripped off of Grow, um, which you can learn about tomorrow. Congratulations, that's my gift to you today. Um, and so we have them nominate what we call a drink team member of the week, and we do a little gift card for them. I think it's like 25 bucks. Someone, is that right? My beautiful wife's in the back shaking her head. We have the leader write up uh, like a testimony about them, and then the, the huddle before that service, we honor them, we give them the gift card, then we take a picture of them, and on Wednesday, we do what's called We Win Wednesdays, and we post their picture and celebrate them on social media. Um, so that's one of the ways we do it. And then twice a month uh, on rotating teams, we run two services right now. Uh, we do a specific appreciation for all team members at Dream Team Check-In. And I, don't, I don't know all the details of that. My wife can probably get you connected with somebody who does. Uh, I think we give away candy bars or children, one of those two. Yeah, make sure you listen. <laughs> so that's, that's two of the ways that we do honor. And then we did, in, in the early stage, we did team nights. We don't do that anymore, but on team nights, we honor three different team members. So. Ours will be really similar. Um, gift cards. We, we do this thing called the rally before we serve on Sunday mornings. And um, we're always trying to pick out Dream Team members that are living out the values um, and just celebrating that. So we'll tell a big story about something we caught them doing that celebrates what we want, the behavior we want to be repeated. And so we're honoring them in that way. Um, hospitality for the Dream Teamers is huge. So taking care of breakfast and um, like when we were doing one service, we always did a pre-service service for all of the kids' workers that were going to be missing church, like Carrie talked about in the, that zero to six months. We'd kids' chapel and take care of their kids and feed them breakfast and feed their kids' breakfast and service just for them and, you know, just trying to give them the best experience possible. And I'm like a handwritten note guy, so every week I do two handwritten cards to Dream Teamers and that's always going out and... Lots of them I never hear back from, and then every once in a while I'll have a dream teamer come up sobbing about the card I sent them because it hit their love language, and it's worth it. Yeah. I was just going to say the note card thing. I used to send a note card or two a week, and I would say 90% of the people that I send a note card to come to me and say, oh my gosh, thank you for the note card, and they usually say it loud enough, and there's other people around, and like they're like, and I'm like, and I, then I get to say it again. But I think be specific. Don't just say like "great job," "thank you for being on the dream team." <laughs> but like talk, like be yeah. attentive to yeah. like they're like what about them is what you appreciate. That's their certain part That's good, or the way that they brighten up a room or the way that they really are attentive and present to people or whatever it might be and appreciate who they are, not just what they That's great. do. Wow. Very good. So those are I think really huge things. Uh, and then the other thing, learning this from Ark and Church of the Highlands, is we do a big huge party. Yeah. Once a year. Um, 
and and it's I mean you spend a good amount of money. Um, we do a sit down dinner. We give out gifts. We highlight and honor some different specific team members, all that. But it's a special night. Um, and hey, for the amount of people that are serving in the church, it's a it's a, it's a worthwhile and a fraction of what you would have to pay to pay somebody to do all that stuff. So, so I think those are those are specific things that I could. Let me add one thing. Yeah. Let me just add one thing. We we do the party as well, and that like every time it re ups their involvement, we drop serious coin on them, serious coin. Um, but just one thing is, if you're if you're rewarding and appreciating people, be careful not to appreciate the super volunteer. Man, so good. Danny, he served 14 hours on Tuesday alone, and then he was at Wednesday night, and then he came on Sunday, and then he did this, and then he lost his leg for the church. Yeah! <laughs> and that guy right there who can only greet yep. every other week is like, oh. Yeah, it's yep. good. It's okay. really good. So, really, really good. I guess really that this is the real volunteer, and I'm kind of not really. So uh, sometimes it's good to be like, this person right here is awesome. Because they showed up to greet on Sunday, and that's good. So just be careful not to award the super volunteer. That's so good. I just want to add one thing to that. Sometimes I try to like keep my eyes open for somebody who's not going to get the note from somebody else, yeah. and I, and I'll write in there. I know you might oftentimes go and notice, but you are not on scene. That's great. You know, so like, but and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think anybody even saw me. It's awesome. Wow. It's so. awesome. It's awesome. Got a few more minutes. Any other questions? I know there's a question out there somewhere. So good. Michael, I got a question, and Danny, you kind of alluded to it. I would say that the biggest takeaway once you launch your church, and even really uh, what we teach leading up to your launch, is it is about teams and groups. Because you are only one person, your wife is only one person. Together, you two may be awesome, but you, your capacity only does go so far. And your leadership mentality shifts once the church gets going to how can we uh, continue to reach more people for Christ and how can the influence grow. And that's by the multiplication side of it. Can each of you share, and then we'll, we'll finish up, um, why those teams and those groups are important. I think some of you kind of touched on it a little bit, but maybe unpack that thought a little bit more on why that may be the, the key to that sustaining growth that continues to grow. There you go. Go for it. So why why the team is so important? I mean, every church has to define their win. But for us, and we've just aligned with Church of the Highlands in this in a lot of ways, but we came into church planting with this heart, and we just see it again and again in Scripture. But the win for us is helping them, you know, come to know Jesus and then ultimately be raised up to walk in the purpose for which God created them. And that finds its expression in the context of team. Like, we're not only supposed to just make Christians, we're supposed to make Christians who then you know, get free of all of the things that hold them back and they're, they're all bound up and then we help them discover why they exist so they can make a difference with their life and we share it and share it and share it and share it and preach it and preach it and ultimately they start living it and so for us we're, we're excited about every decision for Jesus but we're, we're way more excited when people decide to follow Christ and then they're on that journey to discovering why they exist and then begin living it out. Um, so the, the team kind of is the end zone for the vision of the church. 
the per, you know, not that there wouldn't ever be expression beyond the dream team, but for us on a weekly basis, seeing people giving their life for something that matters for eternity, um, like that just sets my heart on fire as a pastor. It's what we, it's what we live for. It's what we're all about. It's, it's what we celebrate. Um, I've been there a lot. I mean, that's, that's great. I, I, everybody just wants to walk in purpose. And why not do that together to advance the kingdom of God, right? And I think that's that's the thing. When we empower people to do and walk out their God-given purpose, whether it's the simplicity of making sure that bulletins are stuffed, whatever you call them, worship guys, whatever amazing name you come up with, <laughs> singing a song from the stage behind a microphone, I mean, that, there's, that's living. And I think if we don't do that, it's not even about can we build and grow a bigger church. Yeah. We're not growing people. Yeah. And so I think if we fail to empower people to do that, then we fail to be the church. Yeah, yeah I think that, uh, you know, too often we, I think as leaders, and especially early on, but I think in any phase of church life, you're always aware of where the needs are. Uh, the kids' ministry is thin. We need some people. Uh, usher team needs some, the thin. Uh, we need a drummer. <laughs> yeah. If you have a drummer, by the way, send him to Fort Collins. <laughs> uh, but but I, and, I, and our tendency can be to to put peop, fill needs with people, but our goal is to fulfill people by putting them in their place of gifting. So so I, that's just one thing that I like fires me up. When I see people do that and I see people find their spot, people will do things for a season because they're good people and they want to fulfill a need. But people will do things for a lifetime if it's a gift. And they will feel energized by it. They will love doing it. They'll do it more than you ask them to do it because it's so thrilling to them and because it's supernatural. It's a supernatural gift given to them by God and they're connecting that gift with God's kingdom and to me, that's like an explosive combination. That's great. So, and, and I think that connects with the fact that, that not only do we have a gift, but we also have an ingr- like a, a woven into our fabric the need to be needed. Everybody wants to be needed. Nobody wants to do something just to do something. They actually want to do it because it's needed to yeah, be done. And what, true. They, what they have to offer is needed. So I think be authentic in your asks for people. Like, I really need you really oh you have that gift hey I've got a spot for you those are so fun I think like get used to having those types of conversations when you see something in somebody oh let me talk let me connect you with so and so people want to be needed and the other thing is and this is the other part that we didn't get to talk too much about just in terms of small groups is people people want to be and need to be known and so if you help people connect with those two needs the need to be needed and the need to be known their people will love your church because they, that is a it's a it, that is woven into the to the fabric of humanity, and obviously if we can connect them into the kingdom of God in those ways, um, game over. Can I share one more thought? Yeah. You lead the greatest cause on yeah, the planet, and some of you might need, maybe this is the reason that you came to this app. The cause that you're a part of. The church that you lead, what you're a part of inspiring people to be involved in the expansion of the kingdom of God, there's nothing greater 
that people could be giving their life for. And all of the people in your church, they're giving their life for something. They're giving their life for their job and they're giving their life for the weekends and they're giving their life for relaxation or their sports team. And so for you to give them the opportunity to give their life for the greatest cause on the planet is amazing. There's nothing more noble than that. There's nothing that makes Jesus happier than that. So I would just tell you, let there be just that sense of confidence inside of you. Don't let there be anything in you that feels bad or awkward or ashamed of asking people to help serving kids or pass a bucket or like, no, come on. I'm inviting people to make an eternal difference that's going to last forever. Family trees are going to be changed because you get to be a part of this team. You're crazy if you want to do anything else with your life. Like that's kind of the spirit that I would encourage you to approach team with because you lead the most important thing. That's awesome. Sorry, I got one more thing. I think sometimes when we have when our gifting, somebody we can even we can oftentimes see something else that we would is not a gifting for ourselves and think, oh, can I ask you to do this? Yeah, right. And think we're Wasting a burden on them because it would be a burden for us. They want to. And for them, it is a joy. Yeah, come on. Like, and it is easy. I think what you just said, like, oh, I feel bad asking them to pass a bucket, take care of kids, or set something up, thinking, like, I would not thrive in that. Or I feel bad, like, that's just so menial, or it's so whatever you would attach to that. I think disregard that. There's a guy, not too long ago, we have a... Saturday night set up for a portion of our kids ministry and this guy starts serving and he says I've been serving for about a month now he says before before serving setting up setting up I felt hopeless I was depressed I and he said I've been serving for a month I said I feel like I have purpose in my life again I have like hope and I like like the whole the depression that I was experiencing has lifted Yep. Setting up good. on a Saturday night. Like True. you kind of think like, ah, you're willing to do this? Like changed his life already. So, That's great. so don't underestimate what somebody serving in their place of gifting in the kingdom of God will do for them. Yeah, that's so great. good. I want to add one more thing. I'm, 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 <laughs> one more thing. When you get some pastors going. Yeah. Hey, can we thank uh, Carrie and Danny for here? For sure.